everybody. Welcome to another Playful Humans podcast. I'm your host, Mike Montague, and my guest this week is Aaron Baker. AaronMBaker.com is the website. Aaron is a leadership and business coach, author of Joyful AF. I can't wait to hear more about that. The essential business strategy we're afraid to put first and speak in my language, Aaron. Uh, Aaron has a PhD in social psychology, worked in UX at Facebook, and we have all kinds of fun stuff to talk about. And again, this is the Playful Humans podcast. So if you haven't uh, hit subscribe or like already, do that and go to playfulhumans.com for more information on how you can rediscover the power of play in your life and career. Here we go. There we go, Aaron. I'm always jealous of guests that have better dance moves than me, uh, but I appreciate you getting into it. <laughs> yeah, it's good, good for like a morning wake up. The, yeah, we like to start with the joke of the week here to make sure we're in a good mood. Uh, this week, it's brought to you by antidepressants. To the guy who stole my antidepressants, I hope you're happy now. Uh, how do you impress a baker on a first date? No idea. You bring them flowers. <laughs> nice. Yeah, right. I should know that, that since my last name's Baker. That's a good one. <laughs> I picked that one out just for you. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> All right. Uh, so tell us about the book because yeah. I'm really excited uh, to read it. Hopefully everybody that listens today will be as well. Joyful AF sounds like a great way to live and work. Yeah. It's also just a, a really fun title to say, especially because some people don't know what AF means. And I go, I want to Google that. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So, um, yeah, the book is all about, you know, this idea that, you know, people can get behind the idea of joy in their life, but when it comes to professional work, joy is not in most people's vocabulary. And a lot of people I work with are solopreneurs, small business owners, and it's exactly what they got into their line of work to have, right? Joy, or they call it something else, freedom, independence, autonomy, creativity, all these things, they get into their business for that and then find themselves very quickly miserable, right? Uh, shackled to all of the shoulds that they're supposed to do, what good business owners do, what's the right strategy, what's my revenue goal, all these different things. And then joy's gone. And so I wrote this book to say, wait a sec, you got into business for joy. It's the only thing that's going to keep you alive in this thing called business how do we help you put that first and show you that when you put your joy first, that's actually when all the success that you want will come your way. Well, that last part, I think, is what is most interesting is that mm -hmm. if you look at a lot of the research and you have a PhD uh, as well, so I'm <laughs> yeah. sure you've done it <laughs> more than I have. But it is interesting that that is what attracts people. That's when you become successful is when you're doing something you're passionate and joyful about. And yeah. people can feed off of that confidence and energy until that you really like it and it's working. And mm -hmm. it really is a business strategy for success. And I don't know why we keep pe preaching like grinding and hustling and uh, you know, burning yourself out where if you look tired and miserable and sick, like why would anybody want to work with? Yeah, I, I don't get that. Um, I think the other piece that really fascinates me too is 
we need to talk about hustle and grind culture. Many people leave their corporate nine to five jobs with the hope that they're going to actually end up working less. Right. And (laughs) or working differently. And to me, it's why would you go into entrepreneurship to work even harder than you've ever worked to have more instability and uncertainty? Right. You don't have a paycheck coming your way every month, guaranteed. And so it's makes sense to me why so many businesses really flame out. You know, you, it's like you light a big fire, but it doesn't actually catch and sustain itself. Right. And so I just, I am so anti almost all the business advice out there around, you know, wake up at 4am and, you know, always be on and you, you can't get your results. Yeah. Yeah. You can't get your results if you're not working all the time. And I'm going, no, that's actually the opposite. That's where you will. Like I said, you said burn out. Right. And, and um, yet you ask people well, to prioritize their joy. And the f- most people, when I say that, they're sort of like, yeah, I get that. But I said, no, what, what would happen if you actually prioritize your joy? All of a sudden they go, oh, I'd flame out. The business would fail. Um, they have all these negative associations as if following their joy is sort of the anti-business strategy, <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I love that because I always say people think, Play is the opposite of work, but sloth sitting around doing nothing is the opposite of work. If you just, right. if your joy is sitting on the couch watching Netflix, then maybe that won't pay off. Yeah. But if you're actually doing something yes. you love and bringing value to the world, that will pay off. And I think people yeah. confuse those two of like, it can't be that easy. And I can't actually get paid for doing what I, I love to do. Yeah. That would be like unfair somehow. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, and I want to dig into this idea that Netflix and sloth is not going to create success. So I posed this idea to a friend of mine around what if you chase your joy and, you know, success chases you. And her immediate reaction was, you know, I'm going to be on the couch, eating McDonald's, watching Netflix, being lazy. And what immediately occurred to me with her was, wow, this is someone who I haven't seen rest in a long time. She's full-time job, has a side gig business, also plays cricket for uh, Team Canada. I'm like, of course you, your joy right now is Netflix and McDonald's. Your body needs some rest. And the the fear that so many people have is that if they follow their joy, that's what's going to happen. There's this, whether it's Netflix or, you know, watching movies, watching TV, it's, it's the sitting on the couch, eating junk food. I'm never going to get up again. And right. the thing we know about humans is... We can never stay in one particular set of motions for too long. We can't go constantly. We also can't sit constantly. And so if you sit on the couch and watch Netflix, at some point, you're going to want to get up and go do something. I love that. And it really kind of reinforces what I've been thinking about recently is uh, playfulness. One of the definitions I found is is the movement between chaos and order. And I, I thought that was so brilliant. And if you think about it, that's really what makes things interesting is that movement you're talking about and Mm -hmm. the improvisation when you don't know what's going to happen next, things get more interesting. And Mm -hmm. when you do know what's going to get happened next and everything's in an order. And even if you're doing something challenging or something that you love, you know, and you're, you're following your passion, if your day becomes a routine, it becomes boring. Even if it's that thing that you most loved when you started doing it. And I I think a lot of people miss that. We want to, you know, I guess we want the comfort of that routine, but we don't necessarily enjoy that long-term. And I think people miss short-term and long-term a lot. 
Yeah. It reminds me of a quote uh, by Chip and Dan Heath in their book, The Power of Moments. Um, They say, we feel most comfortable when things are certain. We feel most alive when they are not. Yes, that's awesome. Right. And so what we're doing in seeking predictability is uh, basically trading comfort for aliveness. And uh, I talk a lot in, in Joyful AF about courage being one of the foundational ingredients of joy. And it's a very similar idea. It's not the the root and I schedule, but it's the setting goals that we think are pretty easy to get. So the most boring thing we can do in any sort of striving goal pursuit is set some some goal and get there easily, right? Yeah. And yet that's what we try to do, right? We try to avoid the pain of failure at all costs. So we don't take risks. We don't stretch ourselves. And then we get the goal and we go, meh, we're not, there's no joy in that either. And so the, the one of the, the big things I harp on with the people I work with is how do we get you stepping more into courage? Because courage is, even though you feel the trepidation in the moment, courage is a source of joy. Uh, I think that's very profound. And I, I love what you said that comfort, I think, is really the enemy here. Now, if you're in all chaos, that's not great either. No. You do need some comfort. And like you said, your, your friend that's working all the time, you do need to rest and you need some mm-hmm. comfort, but it's that movement between the the two. And I think yeah. the courage is an interesting word because a lot of things that we want, I, I was talking with another stand-up comedian yesterday and he said he had a, a guy come up after a show and say, oh, you're, you're so courageous. I, I could never do that. And the guy who came up was a firefighter. He's like, okay, well, there's a difference between emotional courage and like actual physical courage to put yourself in harm's danger. I think most of this is emotional, intellectual courage, Mm -hmm. right? It's the guts to to put ourselves out there. How do you coach people on that? Because most situations, you're not putting yourself in physical or or even financial harm that much. If you've already found success, chances are you can find it again. So you're, you're leaving the safety of a a corporate job, but you're not really going to be, you know, end up in a van down by a river. Uh, If you can find a a job once you can do it again. Yeah. So the first thing is that we intellectually know that we're not going to end up in a van down by the river, but our nervous systems don't. So our, <laughs> our, our bodies and brains are not talking to each other. And so what's happening for a lot of people is their body does think this is a real threat, right? So going on stage is not just an emotional threat. Like I, my body feels like I am going to die. And so one of the things that my therapist taught me, and I wrote about this in Joyful AF as well, is that there's a difference between something that feels uncomfortable and something that feels unsafe. And so when something's uncomfortable, it's good to lean into courage and stretch ourselves. But when something is nervous system unsafe, even if it's something that rationally feels just fine, that's when we need to actually work through and tend to what's going on, understand underneath, is there some sort of trauma response happening um, and take a, take a dial back before you run towards it. So a great example is one that I had for me back in what 2019, starting my business. And my coach said, you know what? Go live every day on Facebook. That's how you know what your message is for the world. All well and good. Brain goes, yep, that makes sense. A little bit nervous. Suddenly go to get, go live the first day. Anxiety welling up everywhere. I'm in tears every day for about 10 days. I'm just in panic attacks all day long mm-hmm. to the point where I'm like literally on the floor crying at, at times. And that's 
what I learned later was, oh, my nervous system was having a reaction to something. I was pushing past what was safe for my nervous system, even though my my brain was like, it's just going live on Facebook. Like what? So yeah. now when I'm working with my clients on this, we're looking at where is that line between uncomfortable and unsafe? And can we stay right at that line? Um, and if we go into territory that's unsafe, how do we pull back and have you do less, even though your brain maybe telling you, you know, you idiot, it's fine. Uh, I, yeah, I love that, especially because I think it's so much that emotionally that we can equate to like our physical body uh, mm-hmm. as well. And I think people miss that. I, I think mm-hmm. they confuse them a lot. And I equate it to training. I think courage and confidence is something you build up over time. And so yes. if you've had no guts and you've just been following directions and doing what other people say for years or decades, that's like sitting on the couch for decades. If you try and go run a marathon and go live on Facebook or in front of on a stage in front of 10,000 people, you're going to freak yeah. yourself out. Like that's yeah. not, that's not going to work out very well for you. But yeah. if you start moving back and forth between the two a little bit and you do yeah. some Yes, like record a podcast by yourself in, in an office exactly. and don't show it to anybody and then right. do it again. Like you'll learn and you can build up those skills and confidence. That's- yeah, I talk a lot too about courage being like a muscle, right? You don't go into the gym and on the first day deadlift 100 pounds. You will literally injure yourself. <laughs> You go in and find the weight that is doable. It's a little bit of a stretch, whether it's a five pound weight or a 20 pound weight and you work your way up over time. And that's that's absolutely what you're talking about is building that courage muscle and just knowing that you've got to be really attuned to, okay, wait, went too far. That's that's too much or coming back. Okay, this is, this is uncomfortable, but I can handle this. I'm okay here, right? Yeah, and I wanted to ask you one here about people maybe that haven't had as much success as we have. And I, I don't yeah. want to humble brag for us, but uh, you had a nice job at, at Facebook yeah, and, and Microsoft. Yeah. And I've done well as two. And it's not like I climbed the entire corporate ladder. You know, I, I wasn't, <laughs> you know, CEO of an international organization or anything, but I feel like that once you, you sometimes you need to get there in order to see that that's work. Well, everybody's working for that, but that's not necessarily the thing that makes yeah. you happy. And yeah. so I think sometimes you have to achieve success in order to realize that, oh, that doesn't equal fulfillment. Yeah. But also there's other people saying, hey, Mike, Aaron, it's nice that you guys can talk about following your joy, but you have the privilege of having a paycheck and I got, you know, kids to feed or mm-hmm. I'm trying to pay rent here. How do I step out from that? How do you yeah. how would you talk to those people? Yeah. And I, I will say joy is a privilege to be able to follow. Um, and I'm really, really adamant about that. And so in terms of, you know, when you do step out and you know you don't have this privilege of a paycheck coming after you my thought is first thing you got to do is figure out how to get the, the paycheck on the table and so it may be that for right now prioritizing joy uh feels a little more risky and so you just do whatever it takes to get some mo- some money in at the same time it's not an all or nothing game right it's not you're all joyful all not joyful it's okay how can you weave safely into your day, little pockets of joy? How can you add more play into say your marketing or how do you add more play? I I do a lot of playing with my coaching clients. Um, I love that piece. And so being able to have those pockets of joy will fill up your joy tank. And then as you build up that reservoir of money, then you can start saying, okay, how can I make even more transitions towards joy? How can I test this like a scientist, test this idea that joy will create money? 
right? Because when you're in corporate, you just get paid. And a lot of times you create success based on what someone else has told you. And so the association is, and oftentimes misery comes along with it, right? So this association comes like, somebody else tells me what to do. I don't love doing it, but I get success. And so of course your body and your brain is going to be like, well, now that I'm in you know entrepreneurship, I can't just follow my joy. I've got to follow what I did my whole misery equals hustle grind misery equals right. success. So little by little experiment your way towards the other way. Yeah. I love that. The only thing I would add to it is uh plus wanting what you said about they're not mutually uh, tied together that you can yeah. do things that are just for joy that you do for free. That, that's yeah. a hobby. And I'm going to yeah. ask you uh, about the three guitars behind you here in a second. Yeah. 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 Uh, but then you can sometimes figure out a way to make a little side hustle money or, or do that on the other side. Other times, sometimes doing it for a job destroys the joy in it. And yes. I, I know you work with entrepreneurs a lot around that yeah. because People say you find what you love and you never have to work another day in your life. I found that not to be true. You still have yeah. to pay the bills. And sometimes once a client you know, pays you for this, I did this as a graphic designer in my 20s. Um, and even as an entertainer, as a DJ, if I'm DJing somebody's wedding and they want to play really crappy, you know, uh, heavy metal for their grandma, I go, well, do I want to get paid here or do I want to do a show that's going to be good that the audience will enjoy? Mm -hmm. I have to make a, a choice. And so sometimes being a DJ is a job <laughs> and I'm yes. doing it for the money. And sometimes I'm doing it for myself and people come to see me and the, the songs mm -hmm. that I play. Or when I was doing graphic design, a large corporate client says, we want a big yellow and black billboard we can see from space. And I just want all capital letters, you know, uh, mm -hmm. buy this house or whatever. <laughs> and you're like, go, okay, yeah. you're paying for it. It's yours. I mean, yeah. I could do something, you know, pretty and emotional and connect with humans. But if you want a sign you can see from space, I guess I'm getting paid to make that. Yep. And, and I, I think those are the choices that people miss is that I think we almost need to separate our joy more from our, our work, but also- yep find ways to weave it in when we can. And that that's hard yeah. to wrap our heads with. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, there's this idea. I remember one of my former mentors talked about this idea of having cash projects and sexy projects. Yeah. I just like to call them joy projects now. Um, but you know, when you need cash, you go for cash, but when you have the cash, go for sexy or joy. And what happens for a lot of entrepreneurs is the cash projects come in and then we get back in our old programming about how much money can we make um, and then everything becomes the cash project. And the idea is, you know, eventually the more you can, you know, have those reservoirs of cash and then lean into those joy projects. My very strong opinion on this, seeing my entrepreneur clients do this is then you will actually start making the cash as well, but it may not pay off right away. And you may have to, it may be a longer road. And so, yeah, get the cash, but very much be aware that the cash will take away from your joy. If you don't start making efforts towards the joy. I love that. And I think you worked it out for me too. It's the movement between the two. It's not one yes. or the other. Yes. It's how do we yes. go back and forth? And yep. I've always found a way to do this in my career with it. I've never really had less than two jobs my whole adult life. And if, you know, the side hustle was paying the bills, then great. I, I chase that and I follow it and, uh, you know, strike while the iron's hot. And if it's not, I can go back and do some things that I know that I can do like web design and graphic design and, and mm -hmm. make some money to pay the bills. And, 
it, for me, it really did help me fill my tank because you can only do so much of one thing for so long right. too. So I have an extroverted activity like a podcast, and then I have an introverted activity like writing. And when I can switch between the two, I can keep going and keep my energy yeah. fulfilled. But if I do one or the other, I get burnt out pretty fast. Yeah. And what you're speaking to is also something that's really important is this idea that our energy ebbs and flows. Um between extrovert, introvert, we have seasonality as humans. There are times when we're really productive, times when we're, you know, winter, all that. And really one of the things I talk to my entrepreneur clients about is where is your energy right now? How can you flow towards that? Yes, you might need to keep the lights on and other things, right? So for me, I've just spent two years writing a book. My energy for content creation is at its bare minimum. So mm -hmm. I have a newsletter I put out every week, and that's the one thing I'm promising at this moment. My energy right now is actually more towards conversations and creating some programs. And so I'm following that energy. That energy will go away at some point. The content energy will come back. But how great is it to be able to design a business where you can flow in and out and, you know, do the, we talk about minimum viable product in yeah. you know the tech world. What's your minimum viable productivity in the thing you don't have energy for right now? I love that. Uh, okay. Now um, you can check out the book, Joyful yeah. AF. Go to AaronMBaker.com or get the book on Amazon. There's also a free joy audit on the yeah. website. So go uh, check that out as well. Uh, but Aaron, I wanted to ask you, what do you, yeah. what makes you joyful? What do you do just for fun and, and play? Yeah. So you see my three guitars uh, in the background and I literally put them on my wall because they are a subconscious primer to play. Literally. Um, I'm, I mean, I wouldn't know. I, you wouldn't know anything about, about that. You haven't set up your background <laughs> that way at all. Um, I also have a basketball hoop outside. So when it's not snowing in the middle of winter, I try to get outside as much. I love being in nature, nice. hiking. Uh, what I kind am of music a golfer. Do you play? I play everything from Pink Floyd <laughs> to, um, you know, like folk music and Metallica. I mean, uh, jazz, I, I've played wow. pretty much everything. Uh, I was actually speaking of DJing this past weekend. I was at a training um, mentoring other th actually therapists in a therapy model. And I was DJ for the weekend. And it was really fun to pull out the wide variety of music tastes I have and share it with everybody. <laughs> it was felt very oh, playful. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's super fun and yeah. very sporty. So yes, uh, yes. basketball is great. Yes. Do you find um, those two different for you or are there similarities between is like music more creative and, and Zen and uh, the sports mm. is the physical energy and, and stuff or are they Not similar? I think they're similar for me. Um, the reason I really love basketball as a sport is it feels a little bit like a dance and like music. And so I do watch other sports and I, I also play golf and that's a totally different mind game, but there's something about basketball that feels very musical to me because of the way you're moving around on the court. There's creativity. How can I, you know, hit the wildest shot I could possibly hit? How can I try this and that? So it, to me, they're very, very similar. It's just yeah, physical versus, I mean, guitar playing is physical in some ways too. It's just, yeah, yeah, I like that. And for me, I think it's the flow state when you're, you have to mm -hmm. pay attention yes. when you're playing music or when you're playing basketball, because yes. if you don't, you know, things don't go well. So whatever takes your kind of 
full attention and energy gets you into that, that flow state. Yeah. I like that. Well, and I will argue that flow is a source of joy or actually it's just right. equivalent to joy, right? So many people are looking for creating joy out there. And I'm thinking, well, just dive into something you're really good at and get in flow. I guarantee you, you will feel joy. Yeah. I am trying to dissect the difference between a playful state and a flow state. Mm. I think the only thing I can say is maybe flow is part of that playful state. Mm-hmm. And people have kind of hacked it out as like a business hack that yes. you could get into a flow state doing really hard, complicated work. That's yes. not fun. Yes. Uh, but why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> is kind of the question. right? And I, I'm all, I believe in the opposite flow is the stuff that's easy. That comes natural that you discount as being mm. your superpower really. And I think play joy flow are all basically the same thing yeah. and uh, trying to get into flow and the easy one is the the one that really throws people off i think we yes. discount it and i was thinking about this even with my podcast because i somebody else gave me a compliment the other day and i i said uh well i did like the morning announcements in high school like i just from the time i was a kid i was always mm-hmm. doing weird yeah. things like this. And I wanted to be on the microphone and be silly and, and make other people laugh and and stuff. So it, it never really occurred to me until later that I could actually do that. It was, it yeah. was after college really or during yeah. college. Yeah. And I think that's such an important thing to, to point out two things. One is we're a society of hardaholics. We've told ourselves that the only thing worth doing is the thing that's hard and that's wrong. In my opinion, I also think the thing that we love to do when we are six years old is probably what we need to be bringing into our work. So you're talking about, you know, announcements. We were talking earlier before the show that you thought about radio, right? Like there's clearly a a path here and the same thing could go back for me. Like I, I was the one that was always befriending everyone in the class. I wasn't an extrovert, but I I could talk to anyone about anything. Oh, I talk to everyone about everything now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's so perfect. Are you ready to play a game? I am. Let's do this. All right, spinning our wheel of games, uh, seeing which one you get, and you landed on movie trivia. Movie trivia. Woo-hoo. We haven't done this one in a while. I think only one other person uh, has gotten this one. So, uh, name a movie about a wedding or weddings in general. I mean, four weddings and a funeral, wedding crashers, uh, yes, my best yes. friend's wedding. <laughs> yes. Uh, my big fat Greek wedding or the wedding singer. The Ooh, other, yes, uh, yes. Yep. One's good. Yep. Uh, okay. Name an 80s rom-com movie. Ooh, 80. Uh, 16 Candles, a rom-com? I don't actually oh, know. Oh, it is. Number three. Yeah. Uh, you nailed ah. it. When Harry Met Sally, Dirty ah. Dancing, and Pretty in Pink. Apparently, we were just doing John Hughes movies. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Last one. This is a, a tough one. I'm going to combine your music knowledge with your movie knowledge. Okay. And I'm going to ask you to give me a title of an iconic movie song that was also a successful pop song. Mm. So a movie theme song or a song in a movie that was also a successful pop song. My heart will go on. Titanic. Number two answer. Yeah, you nailed it. Live and Let Die, number one. Uh, That was James Bond, right? Oh, yep. Uh, Yep. In the Shallow, uh, Staying Alive, Eye of the Tiger, and Footloose. Oh yes. You nailed it. All three. I nailed it. I'm I'm a little ashamed that Titanic was the first one that came to mind, but you know what? (laughs) I was a teenager in the nineties. Everybody liked Titanic. Near far. Far. (laughs) 
I saw the Bare Naked Ladies live one one time and they did like a medley of other people's songs. And so they did Sesame Street and they like did the near and then they ran away uh, from the microphone far and near far. And then they went into my heart will go on. Oh, my God. And uh, and kept going. It was so awesome. They are amazing. uh, My playful inspirations for sure. My best friends in high school loved them. So I I have a soft spot. uh, They are right back here as well. If you're watching the, the YouTube video but um aaron you win yes. which means the podcast is yours uh how can we help you or you help us what would you like to share yeah so i obviously you've already just talked about the book so if you're looking for joy in your work go check out the book on amazon and i just want to tell everybody out there that Joy is something you have access to at any moment. It's not something you have to chase through promotions, through revenue goals, through external things. You have your joy. It is very childlike. It's very playful. And the more you reconnect with it, I promise you, the more you will find yourself creating success beyond your wildest imagination. That's right. Go do it. Dr. Aaron Baker, AaronMBaker.com and the book Joyful AF. Find it on Amazon or go get the free joy audit on the website there too. AaronMBaker.com. The link is below. And for more information on playful humans and uh, the coughs and flus that are going around, uh, you can go to PlayfulHumans.com and uh, you can join a community of other adults rediscovering the power of play. You can find reminders and inspiration to be more playful in your adult life and uh like give us a shout we'll see you later don't Bye. wait for tomorrow live for today keep on chasing the sunshine and go out and play go play everybody <laughs>